Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Tom Meyer. Tom is a U.S. Air Force fighter pilot. He has flown and worked with F-15s, F-35s, and is a graduate of the United States Air Force Weapons School. His investing career has also spanned multiple domains, first beginning with the stock market and later transitioning into passively investing in real estate. Today, Tom is passively investing in north of 1,300 B and C class stores of multifamily commercial real estate as he continues his career as a United States Air Force fighter pilot. This is long overdue. Well, science, I bring you Tom Meyer. Tom, what's up, brother? Hey, Jesse, thanks for having me on the, uh, the show this morning. I'm super excited to be here, super excited to talk to your, your listeners. So uh, thanks again. Again, as Jesse was saying, currently flying the, the mighty F-35 uh, Panther, great uh, airplane. But uh, long before that, I uh, grew up to uh, two small school teachers in rural South Carolina. Didn't know anything about business, didn't know anything about uh, real estate. Uh, you know, all I knew was I wanted to fly some airplanes. So I got the opportunity to go out to the Air Force Academy uh, and uh, study electrical engineering, didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a, a mentor of mine that was electrical engineer. It's pretty cool, enjoyed that, uh, but uh, then got out the flying, having used electrical engineering uh, much since my professional life. Uh, went out to uh, Del Rio, Texas, uh, out where uh, it was a lot of fun, learned how to fly. And again, just kind of building my little nest egg, putting a couple hundred dollars here and there, kind of taking that 10% learning my whole wealth uh, strategy uh, and then started kind of uh, progressing and, you know, doing well in the stock market and decided, Hey, you know what, I'm going to get a little risky and started with the options uh, and going with that. Uh, and, you know, with great uh, risk comes great reward, but also with great loss. And it was just a little bit too much risk. So I just kind of said, Hey, I'm going to put this in an index fund and I'm going to let it ride. Fast forward about uh, 10 years, a uh, couple combat tours. And uh, here I am sitting uh, and thinking, man, I, there's got to be something more. There's got to be a way to build my wealth a little bit faster. And so I, I kind of always thought about real estate, thought I wanted to get, wet, wanted to get my feet wet, but uh, you know, didn't want the toilets, tenants, and trash. Uh, but I said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take the leap of faith. I was moving down to Phoenix. Phoenix was a hot market. Uh, and put an offer in on a rental house. Well, you know, that rental house fell through and it's probably the best thing that uh, happened to me because entered the passive real estate in terms of syndication. So my boss at the time said, hey, I've been investing in single family homes. We should check out these syndications. And so I did and, and put my first, uh, you know, big leap of faith, putting my investment in a private equity, having no idea really what I was doing at the time, just a pretty big leap of faith. And from there, kind of learned from my mistakes, have, have grown. And uh, like Jesse was saying, I've invested in uh, thousands of BNC family doors. We moved into different private equities, into industrial complexes, retail, hotel, Bitcoin mining, 
facilities, hard money loans, uh, the whole nine yards. We're just just currently invested into a uh, actually a clothing manufacturer that uh, produces airplane type clothing for people. So uh, pretty excited just to continue to to maneuver into the private equity space, primarily in the commercial real estate space. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, this this story is incredible and in where it's expanded where it is today, Tom. I just got to say, dude, we've had a lot of people on here, but uh, possibly the coolest W-2 job ever that we've had. I mean, fighter pilot, that that's incredible. And, and where your career expands is amazing, too. When, when I look at, like, the career of, like, a fighter pilot, like, I think of something that's in, intensely high attention to detail. Obviously, your career doing that, how has that kind of influenced your investing career today? I mean, are there lessons that have kind of transpired from that to what you've accomplished today in your investing career? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Jessina. Man, I certainly love flying airplanes. It uh, gives me chills. I'm still like a little kid looking up in the air every time they fly over. So I'm lucky that uh, every time we buy a house, my wife probably hates it, but uh, we, we buy right underneath the traffic pattern. So uh, the kids and I, we can always uh, look up. But yeah, it, it is. Uh, I would say it definitely does. You know, a lot of people don't understand what goes into to being a fighter pilot. I just think it's about flying a jet, but we spend immense amount of time analyzing uh, details, very much attention to details. We'll go out and we'll we'll brief for ninety minutes. So we'll talk about the the uh, the flight for ninety minutes. We'll go fly a sixty minute flight, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the sixty minutes. Uh, for about three hours. So we spent a lot of time dissecting all that and going to the Air Force Weapons School, which is essentially, for those that aren't familiar, I uh, hate to say this, but like the if you watch Top Gun, it's the Air Force's version of uh, Top Gun. Uh, we spent a lot of time mastering that craft. So not, not, not just being a, an F-35 master, but a master of dissecting those details. And all of that, that has led me to to take that approach into passive real estate. So a uh, high attention to detail, kind of taking that BS filter as you talk to people and, and figure it out what is truth, what is fake. And then really in these high stress, high tempo environments that people want your money, invest now, kind of getting through the sales tactics uh, and then you know placing your money where it makes sense. And then the last thing that I think is, is huge is not everything is going to be perfect. You're going to make plenty of mistakes. Uh, you're going to take a knee. You're going to regret some decisions, but uh, it's easy to pull back and pull uh, pull out of those situations. And what I do is I just take it as a learning opportunity, and then continue to refine the skill and refine the craft. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And I just love this aspect where again, you're, you guys are flying for sixty minutes, and then it's a three hour, you know, what we call an after action review. I'm not sure if there's a different name in the Air Force or not, but where you're breaking down probably every single detail and turn. And I think so much can be learned from that. And there are people I think who go into those after action reviews who, I don't know if they don't enjoy criticism or they're not able to look in the mirror and, and to get better. But that's something that we take. Uh, a high priority within my organization where, you know, rank comes off and it's like, we just want to spend the next three hours getting better as an organization because it's what matters. So I think that's incredible on, on your aspect. Uh, I, was, I was curious, Tom, I have so many conversations with investors who are looking at some of our opportunities and some people are in a similar part where you were at in the beginning where they're like, Jesse, I don't even know what a syndication is. You know, where can I start to get educated? How did you close that knowledge gap looking back on that first deal and, and where you are today? What education steps have you taken? And I guess what recommendations do you have for other people out there? Yeah, that's a, a great uh, question, Jesse. And 
I think honestly, the best thing that you can do is, is, is arm your, your arsenal with uh, enough knowledge that you, you feel like you have a, enough essay that you know what you don't know. Uh, and then you can get dangerous because you, you're not going to be able to study and get to hundred percent without uh, as kind of a colloquial term that you hear in the real estate taking, taking action. But I think if you, if you get your feet wet and you, and you start to learn uh, by doing, you're going to get a lot out of it. So uh, for example, out of the, uh, the first deal that I did, I, I knew what uh, an apartment complex was. So a little bit about my first deal uh, got introduced. So it was a word of mouth. Uh, so there's a little bit of a trust factor that was there, um, big operator, big syndicator, uh, and it was about a 350 unit door complex out of Fort Worth, Texas. Kind of looked at the area. I didn't really know what I was looking at in terms of all those numbers that they put on the spreadsheet, didn't know what cap rates were, didn't know what uh, any of that stuff meant. So as you hear all that, I just knew the operator was good. The numbers look good. And, you know, when I just gave it the old uh, sniff test, it, did, it didn't seem like I was buying into the, the slowborn. So I was like, okay, this is something I can be at least proud to tell my friends and family about. And that was really about uh, the extent of it. I got the PPM and there's a lot, a lot of lawyer language of 300 pages. So uh, that first one read through that and said, okay, you know, this thing talks a lot about risk. I'm pretty scared, but I'm going to continue to go there. So I think the first part is just feel comfortable, get enough questions, talk to the different operators. And, and there's plenty of resources out there, plenty of books. Uh, one of the books that I that I really, really uh, enjoy is by uh, Brian Burke. Uh, he's a fairly uh, large syndicator. And I think if, if you want to get into the beeps and squeaks and you really want to nail that down, uh, Brian Burke's book is going to just you're going to have every bit of knowledge that you need once you finish that. If you're one of those people that need all the technical pieces, you're risk adverse uh, and you need a little bit more information. But again, as Brian says in his book, it's, it's pretty much all about the operator. So building that trust relationship, talking to them because, you know, a good operator can turn a great deal south and a bad, and a, sorry, bad operator can turn a good deal south and a good operator uh, can turn a bad deal into and a pretty pretty good deal. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah, that's incredible. And I get asked all the time, like, what's one of the you know what is the most or you know up there most important aspects of the deal? And I'm like, I, you know, don't don't even look at the deal first. Just look at the operator. And Mark Cuban has like the amazing quote. I think of I bet the jockey, not the horse. And I think that's so applicable to syndication as well. Because like as you said, like a terrible operator can take a class A apartment dead center of Dallas Fort Worth and burn it down. But an amazing operator could take a tertiary market, whatever uh, asset and, and have incredible returns in my opinion, at least. But, you know, that's, that's absolutely a great, you know, perspective, Tom. And it kind of segues into what I'm thinking next year. And I get asked this too all the time. It's like, Jesse, I don't even know what a good operator looks like. What questions should I be asking? Uh, you know, for the people listening, Tom, what's an example, if you have any, of, of a bad operator, of a good operator, what should people be asking? How should people be vetting sponsor teams out there? Or how have you done it in your own career? Yeah, I think the best way to answer that question, Jesse, is to just give you a couple of examples of uh, things that have made me feel comfortable as a past investor, and then some things that have uh, made me put the operator on, uh, hey, I'm probably not going to invest with that, that operator again. So you know, one of the one of the things that uh, of an operator that I that I really like is again that uh, you you 
approachability factor and the ability to just kind of pick up the phone. They don't even see that that small passive investor, even if you're that small fish, bring in you know, small chunk and change to them. They don't see that person as a nuisance. They take the time to answer the, the questions because they know uh, just that little investment could provide huge dividends, even if you may just be bringing 25 to $50,000 to the table and you're not, you know, one of those million dollar type, type people that, you know, we all hope to and want to dream to be. So I think that's pretty, pretty huge is taking that time um, for that. I think the next thing is you can get a lot of uh, good feel from how professional the, the, the text is, what they're sending you, their products. And if you're getting somebody that looks like they've uh, hired a third grader to develop their, their webpage or their emails and you can't read their emails and it's all formatted, it's not easy looking at your phone or your computer, then that's probably something that's not taking that attention to detail. And if they can't have the attention to detail in those small things, then when they're running a, a multi-million dollar apartment complex, what makes you think they're gonna have that same attention to detail? I think the last thing uh, too is, that I would, would go with is just the, something that made me feel uh, good as a young passive investor is getting those monthly to quarterly reports. Uh, so make sure you pick a deal that's paying cash flow that you want. So, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that's new to this and uh, invested in a, in a startup and not seeing cash flow for two years, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable and maybe not getting lim limited communication from the sponsor as they're trying to work through uh, different things, breaking ground, and there's not a lot of stuff moving in terms of money flow, then maybe passing that deal, even though it probably has some good capital growth, and maybe look at a stabilized uh, class A unit that's paying uh, money right out the bat, you're getting good updates, and that may make you feel a little comfortable. So pick the deal that's going to re reach your comfort level. And then the kind of like the bad, bad operators, uh, did a, a hard money loan, everything was going great with the, uh, the operator. Uh, and then I basically started getting a little bit ghosted uh, from the operator, not uh, no, no conversations, no, no anything. I was kind of worried that we we're going to lose uh, about $60,000 in the, in the matter. Uh, luckily, we finally got back and the operator came through. But, you know, uh, that's something that I'm just never going to have that trust relationship with and going to be able to go through. So even though the operator kind of reaches out. It's, it's kind of like, hey, this is probably not the relationship that we're going to continue forward. Yeah, no, those are those are great examples. And I think that just the, I don't want to gloss over it, but the sleekness, you know, you and I have talked so much about that and how important that is to presenting that to investors. And I can tell even looking at other people's websites, you know, did they do it themselves? Did they pay a professional to do it? All those details, in my opinion, matter. It's like, it's on us as the operators to be refining and making that process better and making it look more professional. So I, I think that's an incredible example. And I think that, it, you know, it's something that might be overlooked, but it's, it's those small details that matter, how much that operator is willing to invest into his or her presentation. Um, kind of going back to the part where you mentioned the quarterly or monthly reports, I, I get asked all the time, Tom, and I'm interested in your perspective too, you know, how much information can I expect on a monthly or quarterly basis? You know, what type of updates will I be getting and, and stuff like that? So I guess with the investments that you've done, I guess, how many have been monthly, how many have been quarterly, and, and then what have been some of those updates that you've gotten? You know, have you ever been in a situation where you wish you knew a little more or, or are you just content with what you have? I'm, I'm interested. Robusta Move was founded from our passion for two of the most simple and amazing things in life, good coffee and good music. 
Both of these enjoyable aspects of life play a vital role in the bringing together of people. And although we understand that everyone's music taste is different, there's no denying that when it comes to coffee, the difference between a good cup and a bad cup is undeniably blatant. That's why in the spirit of community and coming together, we at Robusta Move have made it our mission to supply our customers with superior coffee that you, your friends, and your family can enjoy. And we'll leave the playlist up to you. Visit robustamove.com and save 20% on your first order with the code VINYL. That's code VINYL, V-I-N-Y-L, to save 20% on your first order at robustamove.com. Robusta Move Coffee. Try it today. No, that's a great uh, question, Jesse. I think for most of the people, those new passive investors that are trying to get started, uh, you, every operator is going to be a little bit different, and you may not be as comfortable with the updates that that I am at, at this point. So again, if you want, are somebody that, hey, I'd like a little bit more updates, then make sure you're picking a, a seasoned operator, but that's kind of their their MO. They're going to be setting out those, those monthly blasts. Um, for that. So there's plenty of operators that do things differently, even those really seasoned, seasoned ones aren't. And there's some super seasoned ones that just uh, basically say no news is good news because they've built up a lot of rapport with their investors and they don't send a lot out, a lot out and they have a pretty solid investor base. So don't look at just because you're not getting updates as that's a bad operator. It just may not be an operator that fits what you are. It's just so just as much as the operator uh, is a good fit for you, you need to be a good fit for the operator. Um, for that. So make sure you ask those, those questions. Uh, I, I would say that uh, right now, you know, monthly or quarterly is good. If it's quarterly, you know, just looking for a blast of the financial statements, uh, looking at some pictures of what's going on, you know, just maybe a one, two line email says, okay, the person's not uh, run off to, uh, you know, bore, bore with my money, but they're, they're actually doing some stuff with it. Uh, but that I would say that's probably where I am now, you know, candidate for multifamily, you know, the, a lot of people just send out, Hey, here's what's occupancy. Here's what's collections. Here's a couple of cool things that we did with the operators. And then the big thing that you want to know is, are, are we on projections? You know, when, when we're, when you, when we're in year three, right. And you don't have the, the projection table in front of you, uh, you want to know, Hey, of all the twists and turns and the, the things that have come up that we didn't protect, are we still on projections? Are we still meeting what you you have, or how far are we exceeding uh, projections? And what does that kind of mean to me? So, just a quick blur. Hey, we're at, we're meeting projections, or hey, we're exceeding our average rents by this amount. Uh, gives that kind of warm fuzzy, like sweet. Or even if it's the bad news, you know, I've got with all the winter weather in Texas over the past few years, like hey, we've kind of taken a step back because we've had some pipe freezes. You know, we're gonna. You're not going to be able to send distributions out this month because we got some big updates, but we'll be able to make up and we still feel that we're going to make your preferred return. Just something like that, Jesse. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And I've been in those situations. I've spoken to several people where, you know, unpredictably things have gone south, but those operators have been so transparent. It's been incredible. I know sponsors who, if something, let's say, does arise like that where they can't make a distribution, I mean, I know people that have taken a day to get on the phone with 65 people to tell them, you know, themselves of, hey, you know, Jane, John, I apologize. We've had these issues. Um, I just want to let you know we're working on them. Here's A, B, and C, what we're doing to mitigate this from happening again, and we'll be paying out your distribution. 
first thing next month. And that's something that I emulate and that I want to be like, and that's the operator I want to be. So I, I agree with you. I think updates is such an important aspect and every operator is going to be different. It's finding, you know, as the investor, it's finding what's the right piece for you or what's the right fit for you. So I, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, kind of last question here before we get ready to wrap up and talk some uh, just life stuff here at the end. Um, well, last passively investing question. When it when it comes to, I think we talked about it a little bit already, Tom, but when it comes to like the structures of deals and people finding the right fit for them, whether it's a cash on cash return, if it's an equity multiplier, um, if it's, I don't know, IRR, AR, you know, whatever, I guess. When it comes to the actual structures of deals, you know, how should people be coming to that conclusion of like, hey, I'm looking for more of a cash on cash deal, or I'm looking for more of an equity multiplier deal, I guess. What do you do in, in your own career and finding, hey, this deal has this types of returns and it's, it's the right fit for me? That's a uh, that's a great question, Jesse. And I think it's a hard question yeah. to 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 really boil down with uh, numbers and figures because a lot of people that are coming to the private equity side are coming from the stock market where you where you've got trends and you've got data and you've got financial reports and you got alphas and betas and gammas and every other Greek letter, right? And they can they can do some sort of uh, very holistic. Uh, analysis of it or something that's empirically driven that gives them that comfort level where there's not a lot of that empirical data uh, and a lot of people will try to take those all those uh, r's irr arr you know equity multiplier and they'll try to, to sell you on on what what is going on uh, and one deal could seem really really good uh, and one deal could seem really really bad and there's nothing that really tells you the risk that's associated with it um, without just some subjective analysis. So um, for me, I think number one uh, is continuing that education and, and going, okay, what is my risk tolerance and how do I, how do I subjectively analyze? And everybody's subjective analyzation is going to be different. So um, for me right now, uh, I'm really focused on kind of a blend of capital growth as well as uh, passive income. Again, got a, a W-2 job. Uh, just looking to kind of continue that that those kind of mix. The, for me, uh, I don't need the passive income at this point, but it kind of makes you feel good that your money is working for you, and it's more of just a a feel good factor as you see stuff come the mailbox money coming into your bank account every month. Uh, so I think that for that is kind of how I look at that. Just a couple of things that that I look at is uh, you know don't get gleaned into like, hey, I'm going to look for this specific IRR. I'm looking for 14 to 18% IRR. I'm looking for a two plus multiple because I can tell you there's some operators out there that can make their spreadsheets, give you whatever number you want. Uh, and then if you're, and if you're not really deep down into the Excel, you know, nth degree, uh, you can get caught caught into that. You know, for example, an operator uh, in, a, in a deal that I passed, uh, basically go out there and say, hey, we're super conservative and underwriting. You hear that all the time. We're projecting no rent growth for the next five years. And you're like, okay, well, how are you doing that? And, and with no rent growth, uh, and you are going to come out here and and make money. You know, the only way you can do that is by reducing the expenses and having some expense. But looking at their expense line, 
I didn't see a reduction in expenses. So what did I look at? I looked at their income line and they're padding their, their income through other income. And so, yeah, they're not raising rents, but they're, they're now putting in some other income that's in there that allows them to get to those things. So don't get, don't get drawn in by the numbers. If you're one of those empirical persons, like I said, just going back to Brian Burke's book, he'll really take a good look at how to do that because there's different deal structures uh, that can sound better than others. And Brian really gets deep down into that, uh, that, that look. Yeah, I, I think like it comes back again to just finding what's the right fit for you and, and maybe trying different opportunities. And man, I like that cash on cash deal and getting that year one. Or maybe, you know, you're looking for that more appreciation or equity multiplier and you're looking for, you don't care if it cash flows year one, if it's a development deal or something like that. So I, I think it's just finding that right fit for you and and yeah, investing in that education. If if you could walk away from anything today, that's that's the most important part is to educate yourself. So uh yeah, Tom, no, great responses, man. We're getting ready to wrap up here. I just want to talk a, uh, a couple more notes here at the end here. Not, not necessarily real estate related, but maybe just financial independence related. I mean, this podcast is World Science. We have an array of people who come on here, crypto people, stock market people, real estate people. You know, you're, you're kind of in a really interesting situation where you have that amazing W-2, you know, you have the family life and then you have the investing as well. How do you find the time, Tom, to like balance the fighter pilot life, the dad life, the husband life, and then also the investing life to kind of make all of this come together and work. Yeah, Jesse, I'd I love to tell you I got it. I've got that figured out, but I think that's the the one thing I, I struggle struggle with uh, the the most. And and you know, I, I I just try to actively be aware of it. You know, I got an amazing uh, wife who uh, keeps me honest, keeps me knowing, hey, when can you put the phone down? When can you? when can you take a break from this or that? Because it's one of those things that I can get absorbed and I can try to tackle a million things. So I think you can get to number one is just finding that great support system that's going to, to be a positive influence on you. That's going to help you stay motivated and whatever that factor is. And it doesn't have to be whatever the gleam is that you hear from this person or that person. Uh, you need to just kind of look internal, some introspection and go, and go with that. You know, I think the other thing is one of the things as I've gotten older that I've preached is introspection, you know, just looking deep within every day, you know, some people call it meditation. Uh, I just try to take, take a moment at the end of the day or the beginning of the day. It doesn't really matter to me. And just, just kind of look at where I'm going, what I want to, what I want to do, who's helping, who's not. And, and really just I kind of look at everything as is the cost of what I'm doing worth the value that it's going to gain, whether that's at at work, at at home, uh, or whatever, and then you kind of realize where it is that you invest. And you know, for me, the majority of my investment is here at home because I know the the cost of being a good dad is going to outweigh the value of producing just a, an amazing uh, family. So that's kind of what I would go with that. Yeah, that's that's amazing response. And I I tell everybody like even when I look at my own military career, like if you get to the finish line and your family isn't there with you, and in my opinion you know, you're a failure. Like, I mean, we're in this game and we're playing this game of passive income to, to build financial independence and to, you know, spend time with the people we love and to be able to experience experiences with the people we love. So I think that's incredible. And you and I are, are super aligned, especially along the spouse route because both our spouses are rock stars. So that's, that's really cool too. Um, last two questions for you, Tom. I asked these to everybody, dude, again, they're not real estate related at all, but it's how we end the interview. Uh, if you could solve any problem in the world, what would it be and why? 
Man, that's a uh, that's a really good question. You know, I I think you know it, it, this can sound super selfish, but I really just think it it comes down to to me and how do I become a better person? What can I do to make a positive influence, a positive change in the world? How can I be a better dad and a better husband, a better fighter pilot? And, you know, I think if, if I could, if I could do those things, if I, if I could better myself every day, you know, I think that the positive impact that would happen around me to the world, you know, would be exponential. And so I just try to, you know, again, it may sound super selfish, but I just think by, by trying to be somewhat better, be kinder, be more empathetic, uh, be a better listener, all those things as a fighter pilot that aren't ingrained into you, uh, you're, you know, making those tough decisions. I think if, if I can, if I can work on those things, then, you know, I'll just be able to accomplish anything else and I'll be able to help anybody else accomplish what they need to accomplish. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, I think it it goes back to almost what we were saying in the beginning of, of, in the after action review of taking that time that how can we get 1% better today? You know, we just focus on one aspect. And the next, you know, mission goes that much better. It'll, it'll be worth it. If we just compound that and keep doing it over and over. So, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's really special. And last question for you, Tom Myers living the perfect life. What's it look like? And I, I don't think I would uh, change much from right now. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying what's going on. You know, I've got a, a beautiful house uh, in Northwest uh, Florida, living on the, living on the beach, flying, flying F-35s going upside down every day. I get to talk with uh, people like people like you making a, making an impact. Uh, you know, I, I, I just feel that I'm in a, in a good spot and, you know, I just want to continue uh, to grow as a, as an individual. And I just want to get to a point that when it's time that my back and my neck can't uh, support flying those jets anymore. And I got to, uh, unfortunately hang up the, the flight suit. I'm in a position to still, uh, feel valued, uh, wherever that is, whether it's, uh, in shows like this, uh, or as providing kind of my expertise and in, in consulting, whatever that looks like, but Man, I, I tell you what, I'm not in a rush to, to change much of anything. It's 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 a pretty good life right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Destin, Florida, fighter pilot, you know, investing in real estate. It's amazing, Tom. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Like I said, I think my audience and I geared the question is kind of what I think they'll benefit from and where they're at in their investing stages. So hopefully you kind of took that away from it. But for people who want to follow up with you, Tom, maybe there's someone out there who's in your community and didn't even know that you do this or people just want to learn more about you. Um, what platforms are you on? How, how can people find you after the show if they want to connect with you and maybe learn more about your story or ask you more questions? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can look me up at uh, Tom Meyer. Uh, you should be able to, to find me there uh, or you can uh, shoot me uh, an email at uh, Tom at MeyerVenturesLLC.com. Yeah, Tom, I, I can't thank you enough. Like, seriously, dude, this is long overdue. I'm glad we made it happen because the amount of uh, inform information and value added, it's going to help somebody else out there. So I can't thank you enough for coming on Wild Science, dude. It was a privileged interview. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time, Jesse, and thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. 
We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.